days of taking more than I can give. There are choices that I made that I wouldn't make again. Had my share of laughter, of tears and troubled times. This has been the story of my life. I have won, and I have lost. I got it right sometimes, and sometimes I do not. Life's been a journey, seen joy, I've seen regret. But when you have been my God through all of it, you were there when it all came down on me. I was blinded by my fear, and I struggled to believe. In those unclear moments, you were the one keeping me strong. This is how my story's always gone. I have won, and I have lost. I got it right sometimes, but sometimes I did not. Life's been a journey, I've seen joy, I've seen regret. God is faithful. He is faithful through all of it. Thank you. It's good to have the Anderson family here and cousins and, and sharing this morning with us. It's a real treat. Uh, we are in 2 Corinthians. Just want to clarify, there are some of the small groups meeting this morning, but uh, all of the small groups and Sunday school classes will begin meeting the 28th of this month. And so a uh, plan on that at 1015. Uh, you, you can find your class, and there might be some that you're going to be watching this live stream, uh, but then you would be able to come and join us for the small groups, and that would be great. And we plan, we hope that you can get back into the swing of things here. We're in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. Going through this chapter, and we're really just now, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 17. 
When Cindy and I travel, we evaluate roadkill. Uh, you probably do the same, right? Ooh, ah. And we have common roadkill and we've got exotic roadkill. Uh, when we head to Montana, the common roadkill are skunks and raccoons and deer. Exotic roadkill, porcupines, antelope, fox, coyotes, those are exotic roadkill. And sometimes, uh, sometimes we don't even have to see the roadkill to know that there's been roadkill. Isn't that amazing? Cindy and I are just talented that way. And we just, we, do, we don't even, but normally it's, it, it comes for me when I hear Cindy say, can you smell that? Uh, sometimes I can, and lots of times I can't for a while, and then, uh, then I can. You know, I, even sometimes we can smell live animals that aren't roadkill. And they're, uh, usually this is when we travel down to Iowa. We've got some uh, Iowan uh, relatives with us this morning. We travel down there, uh, and we're driving along, and can you smell that? And then a few minutes later, ah, oh, now I smell it. We can't see, I don't see them, but I can smell them. And we, you know, it's the sense of smell that God has given us. I've always wondered why he did that. Uh, especially with Cindy. Why did he give Cindy a sense of smell? Sometimes the things we smell, smell good, but not good at a different time. It smells good when I come in for lunch and I smell uh, bacon frying because we're having BLTs. But at night we get into bed and Cindy says, I can't stand that smell of food at night. It, to me, it smells the same, but to her, it switches. Some way, it smells good one time and, and not so good another time. But it's because of our sense of smell. You know, certain things have different scents or aromas. And uh, some people can tell minute differences between them. And some of us only can tell whether it's good or bad. And this morning, we're going to look at when Paul describes the fragrance or the aroma, it is both good and bad. How can that be? Now, I, I brought some, some aromas. We have this, uh, it's an old-time bottle with a wick out of it, and it isn't something that you light, but... Uh, Believe it or not, they would put something in here, and it was called, only the old people, only us would know, toilet water. Oh, toilet water. But that's what they called it for some reason. And then it would soak up the wick. And today we call it Sensi, if you're familiar with that. Uh, and, and perfume. Try to keep from spraying it in my, on my glasses. Can you smell that? Not yet. Cindy probably can. Oh, man. And, uh, and the flavor of the day, though, is this. That's the flavor of the day. And it is... Lysol. Isn't that good? And that says that it's clean in here, but 
an example of what can smell good and bad at the same time is this. <laughs> oh, there we go. Now, I use this. Some of you probably say, yeah, I, I, I've noticed that. It's called off. It smells good to me because I can run in the arb, at least for a couple more weeks, but it smells bad to bugs. It's just, for me, it is life. For uh, horse flies, it is death, maybe, or at least keeps them off me. And then another one, it smells good and bad at the same time. If this is, can you smell this? <laughs> can you smell that? You know what this is? It's a coyote tail. Now, I can't even smell it. Uh, maybe some of you will be able to by the time the morning's over. Uh, you will smell it. But uh, apparently deer can. And so Heather and John, they hang this out there by their flowers. And the deer supposedly keep away from it. So it smells good or it has a good effect and it has a bad effect depending on who you are. If you're a, a person or a flock gardener or a deer or a runner and a horsefly, it makes a difference. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying, can you smell that? And he says, I hope you can. Um, Good and bad, odors, aromas, scents. Uh, Paul says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 that Christians carry the aroma of Jesus Christ. Then he goes further and says not only do we carry this aroma about us, but we become the aroma of Christ to God the Father. That's pretty important. I mean, I, I hope that people can smell that when I come into their presence, or maybe that you are uh, the aroma of Jesus Christ. How we smell is very important, and I'm not talking about if you put deodorant on today or a perfume. I realize sometimes, you know, some people cannot handle scents, and so uh, there might be a, a no, no perfume uh, section. And we might have to start that for those that are very sensitive. Uh, but it is important how we smell. That's, uh, I hope you get that. And I hope you understand that, that, well, the title of the message today, can you smell that? And I'm praying that we might see what Paul is telling us here. Uh, how we smell to this world is very important. I'm not talking about smelling disgusting or smelling uh, pleasant I'm not saying that we need to smell good to this world. That's not what Paul is saying. Because we will not smell good to some in this world. I am saying that we need to smell like Jesus Christ to this world. And the way they receive it as death or as life is a decision that they need to make. But we must smell like Jesus. We've been having a lot of fires in our uh, fire ring in the back. And uh, if we're roasting marshmallows and we have to get close, then when we come in, 
we need to, we throw all of our clothes into the washing machine because uh, even though it smells good outside, it doesn't smell good uh, inside all night long. And so, uh, but how do we get the scent or the scent of smoke on our clothes? By spending time near the fire. How do we smell like Jesus Christ? By spending time near Jesus or with Jesus. So don't think you're going to uh, appear, you might appear to uh, be, uh, you know, a follower of Jesus Christ, but if you're not spending uh, time with Christ, then you're not going to smell like Jesus, and that's what Paul says we need to do. Now, Paul uses a particular picture to describe this to the believers at Corinth. He uses a picture of a victory march of the Roman armies. And uh, it has been said that Rome, the Roman Empire was built at the point of a spear. What that means is they conquered all of these lands. The Roman armies, they marched across Europe and they marched through the Middle East and they marched across northern Africa, uh, capturing these. And uh, so Paul is using that picture here. Paul is a Roman citizen. And uh, one of the most powerful experiences a Roman uh, citizen could experience would be the, uh, the triumphal procession of the Roman army when they come back. Some general wins a, a great victory, and he comes back, and he's received with, with a lot of pomp and a lot of you know, circumstance, however that goes. But this is a description of that march by William Barclay, a historian, He says, first there came the state officials and the Senate. Then there came the trumpeters. Then there were carried the spoils taken from the conquered land. Then there came pictures of the uh, conquered land and models of conquered citadels and ships. There followed the white bull for the sacrifice which would be made. Then there walked the wretched captives, the enemy princes, leaders, and generals in chains shortly to be flung into prison and in all probability almost immediately uh, executed. Then there came the lictors bearing their rods, followed by the musicians with their lyres. Then there came the priests swinging their censers with the sweet-smelling incense burning in them. And then there came the general himself. He stood in a chariot drawn by four horses. After him there rode his family, and finally there came the army wearing all of their declarations uh, decorations, and shouting their cry of triumph. Now, what a picture. But Paul apparently saw this, experienced it, or at least heard about it, because that's what he is doing here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, we begin with verse 15. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. In, the, in them that are saved, and in them that perish. To the one we are the savor or aroma of death unto death, and to the other the aroma of life unto life. You see the picture here? The incense that the priests were carrying in this procession was smelled two different ways. To one it meant life and victory and excitement and, and joy, and the victors. To the other that were tied or bound by chains, marching, they, that same aroma smelled of death. 
So what is Paul trying to teach us by this? Uh, a picture of victory and also a picture of struggle and of death. And before he got there, beginning with the first verse of chapter 2, he says some things about a struggle that makes the victory sweeter when he gets there. He, uh, he says, I had a time of struggle, and, and it was heaviness, and I didn't want to be heavy to you when I come. What does he teach in the first verses? And we're not going to look at those. I'm just going to mention them. He, he says that joy is chosen. Joy is controlled. Joy is a state of mind, not a state of happiness. He says, I determined, in verse 1, I determined I was not going to bring to you heaviness. I determined I was not going to bring to you sadness. I determined that I was going to bring joy. Joy is the theme of 2 Corinthians. I'm going to bring joy to you. And just a few verses down there, he talks about that in, in all my joy, uh, my joy is the joy of you all. So he's talking about joy. Joy can be controlled. Joy is chosen. Uh, determined to be a joyful person. Uh, you, you can do that. Paul did. I'm determined that I'm going to be a joyful person. Secondly, in verse 2, joy is contagious. He says, I've determined I want, I'm going to spread my joy to you. I'm going to uh, make you glad and not sorry by my coming. Joy is contagious. So is crankiness. Did you know that? Of course you do. You know that if, if you hang around cranky people, you get to be cranky, don't you? You hang around critical people, you get to become critical. Uh, it, it, it's just catching. You hang around somebody that's joyful, uh, you'll become joyful. You'll, uh, you'll start smiling again. Uh, verse 3, he, uh, uh, Paul says, I'm going to help you people to experience joy. Everyone brings joy. And, of course, the old saying is, yeah, that's true. Everybody brings joy. Some when you come, some when you go. And often it's when you go. And that's, uh, Paul says, that's not the, way, uh, the time I want you to be joyful. He says, I want, I'm going to come unto you, and I want to bring you joy. Now, Paul says that he wanted to bring them joy even though he is going through affliction. Verse 4, he mentions much affliction, anguish of heart. I wrote to you with many tears, but I'm not going to bring you sorrow. I'm going to bring you joy. He says uh, uh, the joy that he brings might come through discipline. Now, you, you always say, oh, when you discipline, this is for your good, right, parents? This is for your good. Do the kids ever believe it? No. But it is, really. It is for your good. Paul says, the reason I brought so much discipline in, in, first, in that first letter I sent you in 1 Corinthians is so that you might repent, that you might uh, ask for forgiveness, that you might then would receive comfort. So it is for good. Paul knew that the way of the transgressor is hard, and as long as you're following the way of the transgressor, your life is going to be miserable even though you think you're following, you're grabbing on for all of the good things, and yet uh, you find that you're still miserable. The way of the transgressor is hard. The way of discipline is good. 
because it brings about comfort, verse 7. And then uh, verses 10 and 11 say, if you don't forgive, because remember first in chapter First uh, Corinthians, that letter, the, the, the man living in immorality, and then he got straightened out, and now he's writing and saying, you need to forgive him. If you do not forgive him, then you're opening yourself up to the devil. You're being, you're, you will become an easy target for Satan. That's what he says, verses 10 and 11. So if you're here and you've got bitterness and unforgiveness and anger in your heart towards somebody, if you do not take care of that, you will be easy target for Satan. Chances are Satan's already worked his way into your life, and that's one reason why you will not forgive. But now he draws the picture of the triumphal entry. He wants these Corinthians to experience the joy of smelling like Jesus. And we're following the procession. We're following Jesus Christ. We're following him from the cross where the debt was paid. And then we follow him to the empty tomb where uh, the victory was openly declared. We will follow him again when we come down with him at the end of the tribulation time, and we will be riding on white horses, following in this procession. And he says, experience now. Smell like Jesus. When you leave the room or you come into the room, somebody should say, can you smell that? That smells like Jesus. And it might smell good or, can you smell that? smells like Jesus. It depends on where you're at in your life. Paul mentions four characteristics about this aroma, this uh, fragrance of Jesus Christ. He says we're supposed to be sweet, savor, sweet aroma, pleasing aroma. Verse 14, now thanks be unto God which always causeth us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor. And he uses this this word savor, I looked that word savor up, and it's a sweet odor, a lovely perfume. It is a savor. It's going back to the Old Testament when uh, the, off, the sacrifices were made by the priests in the Old Testament. That was a savor. Noah got off the ark, uh, and he offered sacrifices. He had, that's why some of the animals he took on, there were not just two of each animal. Sometimes were, there were seven and they would sacrifice, he sacrificed those animals. And in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, uh, God says of Noah's sacrifice that it was the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the pleasing scent. Uh, Leviticus 1, verse 9, about the burnt offerings, an aroma that was pleasing unto God. Now, I don't know about you, but have you... If you've been around fire, if you grew, grew up on a farm, we, uh, there in the ranch in Montana, we had a large pile of all the scrap wood and sheds that would collapse, and we would doze them all into this big landfill. And uh, if animals died, they would go into this. And then once a year, we would light that. And it was a huge bonfire, but there was a stench that came up. And I thought, ah, I've always wondered, you know, the sacrifices, that it was pleasing unto God. Well, what's pleasing about a 
a burning animal, if it's not sliced and put in a frying pan or on a grill, uh, then it's okay, but um, maybe it's the, the hair or whatever. But it's pleasing to God. Why? Not necessarily because it is such an uh, aromatic smell, but it's because of the sacrifice. And that's why Paul says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is just to be accepted, expected, your reasonable service. Man, this is what we're here for, to be sacrifices to God. And it isn't because that sacrifice uh, just delights your senses, but the sacrifice delights uh, God in that we are all in. We've given it all to Him. Living, holy, pleasing aroma, a sacrifice of all. That's what a sacrifice uh, means. That's why it pleases God. The old story of the farm animals that wanted to, th- to uh, thank their the farmer for being so good to them, and so they all got animals all got together. And what can we do uh, uh, to show the the farmer that we really appreciate him? And the you know the hen raises her wing and and says, "Well, uh, he loves uh, uh, bacon and eggs for breakfast every day, so I will commit to laying an egg for the farmer every day." And then she looked at the pig. Yeah, for the, for the chicken, it's a, a commitment. For the pig, it's, he's all in. I mean, that, that's it. He's giving his life. But that's really what God is asking from us. That's what Paul is talking about here. Uh, you're, we're the savor. We're the smell. Uh, it is a, a, a pleasing savor to God. But we're all in as a sacrifice. John Hancock, uh, when I was a kid, and I think they probably still do, in the Declaration of Independence, and, and you see his name, John Hancock, uh, written in flourish and large. All the other names were small. But uh, he was the president of the Continental Congress during the American Revolution and a signer of the Declaration. And Boston was under B- British control, and uh, George Washington wanted to meet with the Continental Congress because he wanted to bombard or bomb or torch or whatever uh, the British there in Boston. And one of the members there said, well, maybe we should hear from John Hancock since his uh, holdings are all in Boston and, uh, and that he would lose it. And here was John Hancock's answer. It is true, sir. Nearly all the property I have is in houses and other real estate in the town of Boston. But if the liberties of our country require their being burnt to ashes, issue the order for that purpose immediately. I'm all in, is what he was saying. I'm all in. That's what Christ is looking for from his followers of the procession. All in. Uh, Whatever the cost. Whatever the demands, my life belongs to Jesus. I don't know who said that, but I hope that I can say that, and maybe you can say that. It kind of went along with the song we sang last Sunday about going, you know, wherever Christ calls us to go. I'm all in. Whatever the cost, whatever the demands, 
My life belongs to Jesus. See, salvation isn't a guarantee for an easy life. Uh, salvation isn't a guarantee for prosperity and uh, happiness uh, all the time and, and everything working out and, and your marriages are going to be fine and your kids are going to grow up to be fine uh, Christian people. No, the Christian life is a battle. It's all in. It is a sacrifice. It costs. Now, that's what a sweet aroma smells like. And he calls us to be a sweet aroma when he uses that, that word there in verse 14, the savor. Secondly, we're to be a spreading aroma. Can you smell that? Oh, maybe you can't right away. But we're to be a spreading aroma. He says, maketh manifest, reveals this, uh, this odor in every place. What does that mean? When we go from place to place, the aroma should spread. Not our aroma, but the aroma of Jesus Christ. Um, wherever we go. Now, I had a friend, uh, when I was going to Pillsbury, we traveled up to Minneapolis, went to Plymouth Baptist Church, and that's where I, you know, I'd met Cindy years ago, but uh, years before that. But um, uh, she was in high school there, so I got a child bride. And, uh, but one of her friends... Marty Lewick, I met him. He became a friend. He was in the youth group. And Marty Lewick, uh, and I'm not sure if it was in the, the new school, but either Armstrong, uh, one of the big, large high schools there in Minneapolis, uh, that's where they went to school. And Marty one day took a skunk to the biology class, a dead skunk to the biology class to be dissected. And so, uh, during the course of the dissection, they hit the stink bag, and not only did it uh, evacuate the room, but the ventilation system sent it throughout the entire school, and the entire school was evacuated, and Marty didn't get a star for that day. Uh, it did not pay for him. Our aroma should spread the aroma of Jesus Christ. Now, if we're living a stinky life for Christ, I hope it doesn't spread far, but it will. That's the problem. It will spread. Our aroma should spread. The good news of Jesus Christ should spread. And it should spread by doing good works, but it should spread by the gospel, sharing with them what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, that he died to pay the price of our sin. And so uh, it is, uh, it's good news in that you can be forgiven. Now, if a person thinks, I don't need to be forgiven, then it's not good news. It is a death unto death, unfortunately. But we're given forgiveness through Jesus Christ. We're given a family through Jesus Christ. And not just a church family or body of believers, but in the family of God, we become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So we're given a family with a father we, that is God. and We can call him Abba, Father, because he's a good dad, not a poor dad, and we're given a future, an eternity, forever, living with Jesus Christ, living in glory, and not just playing harps in the clouds and adjusting our halos, but it's, we're given responsibility. We're, if we're faithful over little down here, we can be faithful over much when we get to glory, and the picture of heaven is a lot like what happens here now, just without the sin and the old nature uh, and the death. That's gone. And so we're 
the gospel is good news to those that will receive it. It's a spreading aroma. Let it spread. That's what we, we want it to spread around the world. So we have missionaries, and our missionary map back there shows all the different places that, that we have missionaries because we want the smell, the aroma, the fragrance of Christ to spread around the world to those that have not heard. And so it is a, a, a sweet aroma. It's a spreading aroma. Verse 16 says it's a strong aroma. Strong enough to be detected by those around us. Uh, just uh, the Roman soldiers here, what did they smell? They smelled victory, respect. Uh, but it, the aroma has to be uh, strong enough that people know that we're believers. You know, I've done funerals for, for dads, and the kids have said, we don't know whether dad was a believer or not. Well, there's something wrong there. Maybe he wasn't really. Maybe he was, but he really didn't want to smell of Jesus Christ. So dads especially, I say, make sure your kids know you're a believer. Let them catch you having devotions in the morning. Let them catch you on your knees. Let them hear you pray for for the meals. Let them know that you love Jesus. It should be strong enough for your kids especially to know if you are a believer of Jesus Christ. The Roman soldiers, they smelt victory, respect, and honor, and pride. The captives, what did they smell? They smelt death. Death unto death. There in verse 16. Life unto life for those that believe. Death unto death, to death those that reject Jesus Christ. It becomes a bitter smell in verse 16. So the aroma of Christ is not received by all people. The scoffer, he will smell stink or stench, or he'll smell somebody that wants to put him down or, uh, or keep him from enjoying life and the fun things of life. Because that's what they see sin as. This is the joy to the saint. It will smell good. It will be refreshing. It will be encouraging. It will be comforting. Uh, the verse there used in verse 1. So the good news is only good to those who trust Christ. And it's bad news for those that reject it. It's the smell of life or the smell of death. Can you smell that? What is it to you? It were to be a sweet aroma, were to be a spreading aroma, were to be a strong aroma, were to be a sound or solid aroma, verse 17. Uh, when it mentions here, uh, for we are not as many which corrupt the word of God. Now, Paul says, hey, we need to be, have a pure uh, scripture. We need to be sound. We need to be solid in our understanding of God's word. Our true aroma comes out when we face adversity. We can all smell good when things are coming up roses, right? But when uh, things aren't so good, are we still going to have a sound or solid aroma about us? And I know Dave, Dave will not appreciate me using this illustration, but this is true. Uh, when Trissy died a few months ago, from cancer, 
Trissy's words were, God is good. Some of her last words, God is good. And when Dave found out that he has cancer, and you got the one call this week, Dave says, God is good. God is in control. So this is okay. You know, that's a sweet smell. That's a sound, solid smell of Jesus Christ. Because when we go through adversity, that shows what kind of smell we are. The smell of Christ or not. Maybe a, a stench because of our faith in Christ is not what it needs to be. So for me, it's, it, it, I say thank you, Dave, for the testimony there. Even through adversity, now, preachers can corrupt the word of God and say that salvation makes no demands. Following Christ makes no demands. Just come and be his friend. Join him in heaven. Have a good time here on earth, and you'll have a good time in heaven. And that's not what Scripture says. It, it, it can be corrupted by saying there's no need for repentance because we're really not that bad. We're a good person. No, there's no need for service. We serve ourselves here, and then we'll go to glory. No commitment. That is what Paul is writing about. We corrupt the word of God. That is not true. We need a, a, a sound or solid aroma. Now, if we could travel together to Rome, we could see the places where those triumphal processions took place. Most of those places are in ruins today. Some of them have been rebuilt, but most of them are in ruins. All of the generals from back then are in tombs, but the triumphal procession of Jesus and the church continues today. A, pro a triumphal procession where the aroma of life should be spreading around this world. Paul is saying, come march with Christ. Can you smell that? That's the smell of life unto life. Let's pray. Father, you know the hearts of everyone here. Lord, uh, you know there are times when my aroma stinks because it isn't of Christ. Sometimes my aroma is refreshing. It's sweet because I'm close to you. Lord, might I snuggle in close this week and carry the aroma of you to those around me and even become the aroma to God through you. Lord, I pray for each individual here, and I, I'm especially asking for those that think the aroma of Christ stinks. It's death to their way of life. It's death to their joy or their happiness. Lord, I pray they might see that it's death unto death. And if there's one here this morning that's never placed their faith in you, never cried out and asked you to forgive them and save them, I'm asking, Lord, that they might do that. 
either here in the auditorium or wherever they're seated at uh, watching the live stream. I pray that they might make certain that they are, uh, that they smell of the aroma or the smell, sweet smell of Jesus Christ. And if they don't, might they pray and ask you to save them, please. Might this week be a week of spreading the aroma of Jesus wherever we go, please. And I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.